The Cousins, Chapter 1 Millie I'm late for dinner again, but this time it's not my fault. There's a misplainer in my way. Mildred? That's a grandmother's name, but not even a cool grandmother. He says it like he thinks that he's being clever. Like in all my 17 years, no one else has ever noticed that my name isn't the fashionable kind of classic. It took a Wall Street investment banker with a slicked back hair and a pinky ring to render that particular bit of social commentary. I shipped the dregs of my seltzer. I was, in fact, named after my grandmother, I say. I'm at a steakhouse in Milltown at 6 o'clock on a rainy April evening, doing my best to blend with the happy hour crowd. It's a game my friends and I play sometimes. We go to restaurant bars so we don't have to worry about getting charted at, carted at the door. We wear our simplest dresses and extra makeup. We order seltzer water with lime and a small glass, please. I'm not that thirsty and gulp it down until there's nothing left. Then we wait to see if anyone offers to buy us a drink. Somebody always does. Pinky Ring smiles, his teeth almost fluorescent in the dim light. He must take his whitening regimen very seriously. I like it, quite a contrast for such a beautiful young woman. He edges closer, and I catch a headache, inducing with a strong clone. You have a very interesting look. Where are you from? Ugh, that's marginally better than the what are you question I get sometimes, but still gross. New York, I said pointedly. You? I mean, original me. He clarifies, and that's it. I'm done. New York, I repeat, and stand up from my stool. It's just as well he didn't talk to me until I was about to leave, because a cocktail before dinner wasn't one of my better ideas. I catch my friend Chloe's eye across the room and wave goodbye, but before I can extract myself, Pinky Rim tits his glass towards mine. Can I get you another of whatever that is? No, thank you. I'm meeting someone. He pulls back, brow furrowed, very furrowed, in a behind on his Bowtech sort of way. He always has crease, creases lining his cheeks and crinkles around his eyes. He's way too old to be hitting on me, even if I were the college student I occasionally pretend to be. What are we wasting my time for then? He grunts, his gaze already roving over my shoulder. Chloe likes the happy hour game because she says high school boys are immature, which is true, but sometimes I think we might be better off not knowing how much worse they can get. I pluck the lime out my drink and squeeze it. I'm not aiming for his eye exactly, but I'm still a little disappointed when the juice splatters only on his collar. Sorry, I said sweetly, dropping the lime into the glass and setting it on the bar. Normally, I wouldn't bother, but it's so dark in here. When you first came over, I thought you were my dad. As if, my dad is way better looking, and also not a creep. Picky Ring's mouth drops open, but I scoot past him and out the door before he can reply. The restaurant I'm going to is just across the street, and the hostess smiles when I come through the door. Can I help you? I'm meeting someone for dinner, Allison. Her gaze drops to the book in front of her, and a small crease appears between her eyes. I'm not seeing story Takashi. I try. My parents have an unusual and visible divorce, and exhibit A is that mom continues to use both last names. Well, it's still your name, she said, 
four years ago when the roller was finalized, and I've gotten used to it. The crease between the hostess eyes deepens. I don't see that either. Just story then I try, like in a book. Her eyes, her brow clears. Oh, yes, there you are, right this way. She grabs two menus and winds her way between white covered tables until we reach a corner booth. The wall beside it is mirrored and the woman sitting on the side is sipping a glass of white wine while superendously checking out her reflection smoothing flyaways in her dark bun that only she can see. I drop into a seat across from her as the hostess places oversized red menus in front of us. So it's story night, I ask. My mother waits until the hostess leaves to answer. I wasn't in the mood to repeat myself, she sighs, and I raise a brow. Mom usually makes a point of pushing back on anyone who acts like they can't figure out how to spell or pronounce dad's Japanese last name. Why, I ask, even though I know she won't tell me, there are multiple levels of milling criticism to get through first. She puts her glass down, causing almost a dozen gold bangles to jiggle on her wrist. My mother is vice president of public relations for jewelry company and wearing the seasons must have is one of the perks of her job. She eyes me up and down, taking in my heavier-than-usual makeup and navy sheath. Where are you coming from that's so dressed up? The bar across the street. A gallery thing with Chloe, I lied. Chloe's mother owns an art gallery uptown, and our friends spend a lot of time there, allegedly. Mom picks up her glass again, sips, flicks her eyes towards the mirror, pats herself, Pats her hair. When she's done, it falls in dark waves, but as she likes to tell me, pregnancy changed its texture from smooth to coarse. I'm pretty sure she's never forgiven me for that. I thought you were studying for finals. I was. Before. Her knuckles turn white around the glass, and I wait for it. Millie, you cannot exit your junior year with less than a B average. You're on the cusp of metacuracy, and your father and I have invested far too much for you to waste your opportunity like that. If I were even a little musically inclined, I'd start a band called Cups of Mediocracy, in honor of Mom's favorite warning. I've been hearing some version of that speech for three years. Prescott Academy churns out Ivy League student like some kind of blue blood factory, and it's bane of my mother's existence that I'm always ranked solitary in the bottom half of my class. The lecture doesn't come, though. Instead of mom reaches out her hand and pats mine, stiffly like she's a myronaut with a novice handler. handler. Well, you look very pretty. Instantly, I'm on the defense. It's strange enough that my mother wanted to meet me for dinner, but she never compliments me or touches me. All of this suddenly feels like a setup for something I'd rather not hear. Are you sick? I blurt out. Is dad? She blinks and withdraws her hand. What? No. Why would you ask? Then why? I break off as a smiling server appears beside the table, filling our water glasses with from a silver pitcher and how are you ladies this evening can i tell you about our specials i study mom covertly over the top of the menu as she sir as the server rattles them off she's definitely tense she's still clutching her near empty wine glass in a death grip
but I realize now that I was wrong to expect bad news. Her dark blue eyes are bright, and the corners of her mouth are almost turned up. She's anticipating something, not dreading it. I try to imagine what might make my mother happy besides me magically A-plusing my way to Victorian at Prescott Academy. Money. That's all it could be if mom's life resolves around it, or more specifically, around not having enough of it. My parents both have good jobs, and my dad, despite being remarried, has always been generous with child support. His new wife, Sarah, is the total opposite of a wicked stepmother in all possible ways, including finances. He never begrudged mom the big checks he sends every month. But good doesn't cut it when you're trying to keep up in Manhattan, and it's not what my mother grew up with, a job promotion I decide. That must be it, which is excellent news, except for the part where she's going to remind me that she got it through hard work, and oh, by the way, why can't I work harder at literally everything? I'll have the Caesar salad with chicken, no anchovies dressing on the side, mom says handing her menu to the server without looking at him, and another glass of La Glosse. Chante, please. Very good. And the young lady? Bone-in ribeye, medium rare, and a jumbo baked potato, I tell him. Might as well get a good meal out of whatever's about to go down. When he leaves, my mother drains her wine glass and I gulp my water. My bladder's already full from the seltzer at the bar, and I'm going to excuse myself for the restroom when Mom says, I got the most interesting letter today. There it is. Oh, I wait, but when she doesn't continue, I prod, from who? Whom? She re- she corrects automatically. Her fingers trace the base of her glass as her lips curve up another half notch. From your grandmother. I blink at her. From Baba? Why that murderous, this kind of buildup? I have no idea. Granted, my grandmother doesn't contact mom often, but it's not unprecedented. Baba is the type of person who likes to forward articles she reads to anyone she thinks might be interested. And she still does that with mom post-divorce. No, your other grandmother. What? Now I'm truly confused. You got a letter from Mildred? I don't have a nickname for my mother's mother. She's not grandma or Mimi or Nana or anything to me because I've never met her. I did. The servant returns with mom's wine and she takes a long grateful sip i sit in silence unable to wrap my head around what she just told me my maternal grandmother loomed large over my childhood but is more of a fairy tale figure than an actual person the wealthy widow of abraham's story whose great something godfather came over to came over on the mary mayflower my ancestors are more interested than any history book The family made a fortune in whaling, lost most of it in railroad stocks, and eventually sank what was left into buying up real estate on a crappy little island off the coast of Massachusetts. Gall Cove Island was little known have for artists and hippies until Abraham's story turned into what it is today, a place where rich and semi-famous people spend ridiculous amounts of money pretending they're getting back to nature. My mother and three brothers grew up in a giant beachfront estate called Captain House, riding horses at 
attending black tie parties like they were the princess and princesses of Gall Cove Island. There's a picture on our apartment mantle of mom when she was 18 stepping out of a limousine on her way to the summer gala her parents threw every year at the resort. Her hair is piled high and she's wearing a white ball gown and a gorgeous diamond teardrop necklace. Mildred gave that necklace to my mother when she turned 17 and I used to think mom would pass it along to me when it hit the same birthday. Didn't happen, even though mom never wears it herself. My grandfather died when mom was a senior in high school. Two years later, Mildred disowned all of her children. She cut them off both financially and personally, with no explanation except for a single sentence letter sent two weeks before Christmas through her lawyer, a man named Donald Chapman Camden who've known mom and her brothers their entire lives. You know what you did. Mom has always insisted that she has no clue what Mildred meant. The four of us had gotten selfish, I suppose, she told me. We were all in college then, started our own lives. Mother was lonely with father gone, and she begged us to visit all the time, but we didn't want to go. She calls her parents that mother and father like the heroine in a Victorian novel. None of us came back for Thanksgiving that year. We'd all made our other plans. She was furious, but Mom always got a pensive, faraway look on her face then. That's such a small thing, hardly unforgivable. If Abraham's story hadn't set up educational trust for Mom and her brothers, they might not have graduated college. Once they did, though, they were on their way. At first, they regularly tried to come back and visit. At first, they hounded Donald Camden, who only responded on occasional email announcements when their kids were born. They even took turns showing up on Gold Cove Islands, where my grandmother still lives, but she would never see or speak to them. I used to imagine that one day she'd waltz into our apartment, dripping diamonds and fur, and announce that she'd come for me, her namesake. She'd whisk me to the toy store and let me buy whatever I wanted, then hand me a stack of money to bring home to my parents. I'm pretty sure my mother had the same fantasy. Why else would you saddle a 21st century girl with a name like Mildred? When my grandmother, with the help of Donald Camden, stonewalled her children at every turn, eventually they stopped trying. Mom is looking at me expectantly, and I realize she's waiting for an answer. You got a letter from Mildred? I ask. She nods and clears her throat before answering. Well, to be more precise, you did. I did? My vocabulary has shrunk to almost nothing in the past five minutes. The envelope was addressed to you. To me, but the letter was for you. A decade-old image pops in my head. Me with my long-lost grandmother filling a shopping cart to the rim with stuffed animals while dressed like we're going to the opera. Tiaras and all, I push the thought aside and grope for more words. Is she, does she, why? My mother reaches into her purse and pulls out an envelope, then pushes it across the table toward me. Maybe you should just read it. I lift the flap and pull out a folded sheet of thick cream-colored paper that smells faintly of lilac. The top is engraved with the initials MMS, Mildred Margaret Story. Her name's are almost exactly the same except mine has Takahashi at the end. The short paragraphs are typewritten followed by Cram's spidery signature. 
Dear Millie, we have, of course, never met. The reason we, the reason are complex, but as years progress, they become less important than they once were. As you stand posed on the threshold of adulthood, I find myself curious to meet you. I own a property called Gold Cove Resort that is a popular vacation destination on Gold Cove Island. I wish to invite you and your cousins, Jonah and Aubrey, to spend the summer living and working at the resort. Your parents worked there as teenagers and found the environment both stimulating and enriching. I am sure you and your cousins would reap similar benefits from a summer at Gull Cove Resort, and since I am not well enough to host guests for any length of time, it would afford me the opportunity to get to know you. I hope you accept my invitation. The resort's summer hire coordinator, Edward Franklin, will handle all the necessary travel and lodge logistics, and you may contact him at the email address below. Very sincerely, yours, Mildred Story. I read it twice, then refold the paper and lay it on the table. I didn't look up, but I could feel my mother's eyes on me as she waits for me to speak. Now I really have to pee, but I need to loosen my throat with yet more water before the words can burst out of me. Is this for real? Whatever my mother might have been expecting me to say, it wasn't that. Excuse me? Let me get this straight, I say, my cheeks warming as I stuff that letter back into its envelope. This woman... I have never met who cut you out of her life without looking back, who didn't come to your wedding or my christening or anything related to this family for the past 24 years, who hasn't called or emailed or written until, oh, five minutes ago, this woman wants me to work at her hotel? I don't think you're looking at this the right way, Millie. My voice rises to a near shriek. How am I supposed to look at it? Shh. Mom hisses her eyes darting around the room. If there's one thing she hates, it's a scene. As an opportunity. For what? I ask. She hesitates, twisting her cocktail ring. Nothing like the five-carat emerald center I've seen on my grandmother's hand in the old pictures. Suddenly, I get it. No, wait, don't answer that. That's the wrong question. I should have asked, should have said, for who? Whom? My mother says, seriously, cannot help herself. You think this is a chance to get back into her good graces, don't you? To be re-inherited? That's not a word. God, Mom, would you give it a rest? My grammar is not the issue. I'm sorry, Mom says, and that surprised me so much that I don't finish the rant I was building toward. Her eyes are still bright, and now they're watery, too. It's just, this is my mother, Millie. I've waited for years to hear from her. I don't know why now, or why you, or why this, but she's finally reaching out. If we don't take it up, we might not get another chance. Chance for what? To get to know her again. It's on the tip of my tongue to say, who cares, but I bite it back. I was going to follow up with, we've been fine all this time without her, but that's not true. We're not fine. My mother lives at the edge of a Mildred story-shaped hole, and has for my entire life. It's turned her into the kind person who keeps everyone at a distance, even my dad, who I know she loves so much she's capable of loving anyone. When I was little, I'd watch them together and wish for something as perfect. Once I got older, though, I started noticing all the little ways mom would push dad aside, how she'd stiffen at hugs, use work as excuse to stay away until past our bedtimes, and beg off family outings with migraines that never bothered her her in the office eventually being chilly and closed off turned into criticizing absolutely everything dad said or did right up 
to the point when she finally asked him to leave. Now that he's gone, she's done the same thing to me. I draw a question mark in the condensation of my water glass. You don't, you want me to go away for the entire summer, I ask? You'd love it, Millie. When I snort, she adds, no, you really would. It's a gorgeous resort, and kids apply from all over to work there. It's actually very competitive. Staff quarters are beautiful. You get full access to all facilities. It's like a vacation. A vacation where I'm my grandmother's employee? You'd be with your cousins? I don't know my cousins. I haven't seen Aubrey since Uncle Adam's family moved to Oregon when we were five. Jonah lives in Rhode Island, which isn't that far away, but my mother and his father barely talk. Last time we all got together was for Uncle Andrew's birthday when I was eight, and I only remember two things about Jonah. One, he whacked me in the head with a plastic bat and seemed disappointed when I didn't cry. And two, he blew up like a balloon when he ate an appetizer he was allergic to, even though his mother warned him to stay away from it. You could get to know them. You're all the same age, and none of you have any brothers or sisters. It would be nice for you to be close. What? Like, you're close to Uncle Adam, Uncle Anders, or Uncle Archer. You guys barely talk to one another. My cousins and I have nothing in common. Shut the envelope back. Dorter, I'm not doing it. I'm not a dog that will come running just because she calls. And I don't want to be gone all summer. Mom starts twisting her cocktail ring again. I thought you might say that, and I realize it's a lot to ask. So I want to give you something in return. She, Her hand moves up to the chunky gold limbs links glimming against her black dress i know how much you've always loved my diamond teardrop necklace what if i gave it to you as a thank you i sit up straighter already imagining the necklace sparkling at my throat i've dreamed about it for years but i thought it would be a gift not a bribe why wouldn't you just give it to me because i'm your daughter i've always wondered but never dared to ask maybe because i'm afraid the answer would be the same one she gave my dad not with her words but with her actions you aren't enough it's an heirloom mom says like she doesn't prove my entire point i frown as she rests one manicured hand at the edge of the envelope she doesn't push it exactly just sort of taps it it always i've always thought i'd give it to you when you turn 21 but if you're going to spend your summer in my hometown well it just seems right to do it sooner I exhale a silent sigh and take the envelope, turning it over in my hand while Mom sips her wine, content to wait me out. I'm not sure which is more frustrating, that my mother is trying to blackmail me and is spending the summer working for my grandmother I've never met, or that it's totally going to work. End of chapter one.